Well, this past Thursday, of course, was uh, Thanksgiving, a holiday where we're at least supposed to think back on all the things that we're uh, thankful for. I understand some people take it as, or consider it as kind of an obligation. We have to, there's certain family that we, we typically don't see, and then we feel like we have to see, and we have to even eat with them as well. Uh, other people see it as a, a kind of an event on the calendar that now I can start decorating for Christmas around the house, things like that. Uh, some... Um, people will say, probably male and female, I guess, um, just watch football on that day, you know, and, and none of those things are, are a problem to do, uh, but that's not what Thanksgiving is about, right? I mean, the, the proper way to uh, celebrate Thanksgiving is to actually specifically think about things that we're thankful for. To, to specifically name certain friends who have been there for us, to, to, to think about, uh, again, by name family members who have helped us, to, to be thankful for opportunities that we've had, to be thankful for things that have made us uh, happy this past year, to be thankful for our health and things that have taught us lessons for the clothes on our back and the food on our tables and all these sorts of things, to think about these things. That's how we actually celebrate. That's how we show our gratitude, to, to stop and to actually remember to recall these things that we're thankful for, right? To count our many blessings, to, to take the time to name them one by one as we just sang. Well, this month we've been spending our time camped out in Psalm 103. As you know, we've been spending our Sunday mornings in Psalm 103 where the psalmist begins with these words. Are you ready? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. There you go. We've been uh, reciting that over and over this week. I thought I would just let you help me uh, with the sermon. You just quoted along with me. But forget none of his benefits. Forget none of the amazing things that the Lord has done for us, for those who are his. Remember them. Recall them. Acknowledge them, right? Offer thanksgiving for them. Uh, praise and thank the giver of these things, right? And as we've seen over these past few weeks, this psalm goes on after these opening couple of verses, after this foundation is laid, this psalm goes on to name these blessings, to name these benefits that we need to forget none of, to name them one by one. We get blessing after blessing, benefit after benefit, named like that as the, as the rest of the uh, 22 verses of this psalm are laid out for us. We just keep hearing all of these wonderful benefits, and that's what we've been talking about. So today, as we wrap up our tour of Psalm 103, we're going to be doing the same thing here. Uh, I want to bring you a message called He Rules, and it's going to be looking at verses 19 through 22 of the psalm. So we're finishing up the psalm here now. And we're going to see, again, a few more of these amazing benefits that we get from the Lord. As those who belong to the Lord, these are more of these benefits that, that we can praise God for, that we can thank God for, that we can bless his holy name uh, because of these things, because he is this good of a God and has done these things, is able to do these things for us, not just able, but willing. So follow along with me in your Bibles as we look at uh, verses 19 through 22 here of Psalm 103, where the scripture says, the Lord Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts who serve him, 
doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. So what we have in these verses are descriptions of praise. Right, that, that's what we see. These are, these are descriptions of praise. And in these descriptions, we find some very important facts, some truths about the Lord's rule, about his sovereignty. Descriptions of praise that teach us facts about the Lord's rule. And as those who belong to the Lord, we can rightly view these actually as benefits. These are benefits that we have, again, a God who is able and willing to, to do these things. So let's jump into them. The first thing that we see in verse 19 is the location of his throne, okay? The location of his throne. Did you notice that when we read verse 19 together? The psalmist tells us that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. So where is the Lord's throne? Yes, that is where he has established it, the heavens, right? And are the heavens below the earth? Are the heavens on or in the earth? Are the heavens above and over all the earth? Do we see any significance to that? I think we should. I think the, the location of the Lord's throne is important. I think there's significance there. The Lord's throne is high above it all. His throne is over uh, every other throne on earth today. It has been over and above every other throne that has ever existed in history, the, the existence of mankind, right? And it will continue so long as the Lord allows this earth to continue to rotate. Uh, as long as he uh, has not yet called time, his throne will exist over and above every throne that may ever come to exist on this earth because his throne is not below the earth. It is not in or on the earth. It is not of this earth. His kingdom is not of this world. His throne is established in the heavens, high above and over it all. As much as rulers today, rulers of, of all history would like to exalt themselves and claim all the authority that they can from their thrones, even if they're not royalty, but we know mankind likes, to, likes to, to claim a throne as much as they can. They like to claim power as much as they want to do that. They want to um, exhibit, demonstrate that authority. As the second half of verse 19 of our text says, his sovereignty rules over all. Sorry, throne sitters of this earth. His, his throne his sovereignty rules over all. And we see this reiterated by Jesus himself, don't we? Do you remember when Jesus was in Roman custody? And the Jewish leaders, they wanted the Romans to, to uh, convict him and to sentence him to crucifixion. That's what they wanted. And Pilate was questioning Jesus. And he was simply asking him about his identity. Who he was. Is he this person? Is he that person? Jesus didn't answer him. You remember that? And you remember in Luke, uh, John, I'm sorry, John chapter 19, verse 10, Scripture says, so Pilate said to him, this is in response to Jesus not answering a question, he said, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And then verse 11, it says, Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Did you catch that? 
It jumps right off the page, doesn't it? Jesus said Pilate had authority over him in this setting, in this context, because God the Father had given it to him. God the Father had allowed it. This throne only existed, this power, this authority only existed because God, whose throne is established in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all, because he had allowed it to happen. And then in Paul's letter to the Romans, we're given this fact as a doctrinal statement, if you will. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For, listen to this, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. You see, nobody needs to allow God back into the schools. Nobody needs to allow prayer in the workplace. Nobody needs to allow Christianity inside of a particular country, inside of a, a nation. God has his own throne. He doesn't need permission. He has established his throne, his rule, high above and over every other throne. His throne, it's in the heavens, remember. He rules over all. No one needs to give him permission for anything. That's our God. <laughs> But the question is, I guess, how is his sovereignty, his rule over all, how is this a benefit to us? How is this one of the benefits that the psalmist says we must never forget? Well, as hard as governments try to rule over people, and as hard as certain organizations try to work circumstances to their own benefit, and as hard as people in general just try to control outcomes, our God is actually in control. Our God is in control from his throne, which is established in the heavens, and his rule is over all. His sovereignty rules over all. And so we know, this is, this is the benefit. So we know that nothing is happening without his knowledge. We have that confidence. We know that nothing is happening without his permission. And we know that nothing is happening without there being in it an opportunity to glorify him. Don't care how bad it is. Don't care how messy it is. Don't care how complicated it is. Don't care how sad it is. Don't care how happy it is. Doesn't matter. There's an opportunity to glorify him in it. We're all familiar with Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? We know that God causes all things to work together for good to who? You want to talk about pointing out the benefit to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, as those who belong to him, as those who have accepted the call, as his church today, that's who this is talking about, those who will inherit salvation, God is working, it says, all things together for good. Now, does that include bad things that might happen? Go like this. Yes. <laughs> does that include complicated things? Does that include messy things? Yes. Does that include simple things, scary things, dangerous things? All of these things, yes. Successes, failures, victories, losses. If you believe the scripture, show hands, who believes the scripture? Okay, if you believe the scripture, the scripture says all things. All things work together for the overall good of his people. This is an amazing benefit. This is an amazing benefit that we should be thankful for and we should never forget because we can rest assured that in any given moment, that that moment can be used to glorify God, to honor him, to praise him, to bless his holy name like we've been saying. So having a hard time paying the bills? You can remain faithful to him. You can work hard like you should. You can trust him and you will be blessed by having uh, stayed with him, by honoring him in that way. 
having a hard time with some of your family right now? We just, we just probably shook the bushes a little bit this past Thursday, right? Maybe you're having a little struggle with them. You can remain faithful to him. You can do what is right. You can trust him in that. And you will be blessed by honoring him in that way. Having a hard time with kids? Having a hard time with grandkids? Having a hard time with your spouse? Or with just a, a close friend or something? Again, you can stay faithful to him. You can do what the scripture explicitly tells us. I mean, we're taught in the scriptures how to behave, how to interact with all of these people in all of these relationships. You can do that. Trust him through it. And hey, you're golden. You're in good shape. You will be blessed by having honored him in this way. Church, we can be satisfied at all times knowing that regardless of what we see going on in the world and regardless of what you have going on in your world, I get it, God gets it. Regardless of these things, God is in control, God is on the throne, and he rules over all. Bless the Lord and do not forget this benefit. All right, as we come to verses 20 and 21, we see the ministry of his angels. The ministry of his angels. Look at verses 20 and 21 here again. He says, bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Now, the Hebrew word here for angel is a word that means a messenger, a representative, an ambassador, right? The Lord has these angels who are his messengers his representatives, his ambassadors, all of these things. And as verse 20 points out here, they are mighty in strength. They perform his word. They obey the voice of his word. And our Lord has these beings at his disposal. They are constantly serving him, performing his word on his behalf. Um, what is that? An ambassador, <laughs> They are ambassadors of his in this way. Now, I want us to take just a moment and think about all the, not all of them, we don't have time, <laughs> many of the powerful ways that we see angels doing his, doing his will, performing his word, obeying the voice of his word, as the scripture says here in our, our text. Let's think about just a few of these examples. Do you remember the two angels in Genesis chapter 19 that essentially rescued Lot from Sodom? Remember those two angels? They struck the wicked men that were trying to beat down his door. They struck them with blindness, saved him. And they eventually hurried Lot and his family off. Obviously, we know there was one left behind, but that was her own fault. Uh, but they, they rescued these guys. They hurried them out of the city before it was destroyed. They knew what was going to happen. They knew what God's will was. They knew what he was planning to do in that, that particular event, that episode of history. And they got Lot and his family family, <clears throat> excuse me, most of them, out of there. You remember the angel simply called the destroyer in Exodus 12. I forgot to put Genesis 19.1 up there for you. Um, that's just the introduction. I mean, you got to read all of Genesis 19 to get the story. But do you remember the, the angel simply called the destroyer in Exodus 12.23? When God was preparing to bring death upon the firstborn throughout all of Egypt of both man and beast. He was going to do that on that first uh, Passover night, if we want to call it that. He told his people how to be prepared so that they would not experience the death of the firstborn, so that the destroyer wouldn't enter into their homes. God had determined who would be killed and who would live, but an angel was who was sent to perform his will. Remember that angel that appeared as a result of Balaam's bad behavior? 
The, the donkey that Balaam was riding had seen the angel while Balaam was not seeing the angel. And at one point, the third time, this, this donkey, you know, up against, I don't know, canyon wall or something. The scripture says up against a wall, you know, pressed up against that wall. And Balaam, you know, hurt his leg, you know, poor baby. <laughs> and he got all upset and he's smacking the donkey and he's, he's really angry with him. And then as Balaam is getting all upset like this, this is his final time in Ex uh, Numbers chapter 22, verses 31 through 33, the scripture says, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed all the way to the ground. The angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. These angels mean business. <laughs> these angels are, are, are serious, right? In 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah was in a tough spot and, and was all upset, he was ready to give up. He ran out into the wilderness under a tree and an angel brought something for Elijah to eat and to drink. And he encouraged him to get up to take the food, to drink the water, and to continue on his journey. Not to give up, but to keep going. Do you recall when Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, explained to a fearful servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, in verses 16 and 17, that he didn't need to fear because, remember this, those who are with us are more than those who are with them, right? It's going to be okay. I know you can't see it, fearful servant, but there's more on our side than there are on their side against us. Elisha prayed in that moment that his servant, that this fearful servant would be able to see this fact with his own eyes. And the second half of verse 17 says, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Picture that for a minute. This is a picture of angels this is angel armies. This is a good picture of what we saw uh, the psalmist referring to in our text for today in that second half of verse 21. I'm sorry, in verse 21, uh, the second half of what uh, is talking about angels there. When we get to verse 21, where the psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, you his hosts, you who serve him doing his will. Hosts, big, large groups of these angels. This, is, uh, this, this word host is from a Hebrew word that often refers to armies to battle, to warfare. And here is exactly what we've got. These heavenly hosts, these, these Lord's angels in large numbers ready to go to battle, doing his will. And then, of course, there's another example that we're going to be talking about, golly, starting next Sunday. <laughs> that angelic divine birth announcement, right? That angelic appearance to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds who were out watching their flocks by night, right? Making that divine birth announcement, proclaiming the news that God's own son was going to enter into this world almost 2,000 years ago. Angels have been a big part of God's will, doing his will. And we could do a full-blown study on angels and find them all throughout the scriptures, doing all kinds of things, a variety of things. But all of these things were God's will. Things God had determined to do and sent angels to carry out the task. We'd find it all over the place. Think about all these amazing things that we just covered, that we just talked about briefly, that I just reminded you of from Scripture. Think about all these things they did as his messengers, his representatives, his ambassadors. 
And then what do we learn that they're doing today? What do we know angels are doing today? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says of angels, if I can get there, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Now, I don't know if we all have uh, our own guardian angel like a lot of folks like to think. That may be the case to some degree, but I do know that the work of angels today involves ministry or service, that's what that word means, for the sake of the saved, <laughs> you and me. They still work for God. They're still doing His will. They're still obeying the voice of God, the voice of His word. But church, it is a benefit for us. We are those who will inherit salvation, as the scripture says it there in Hebrews 1.14. That, that text says that angels are performing a ministry that is for the benefit of the church. It's for the sake of Christians. It's for the good of those who are in Christ, is what that scripture says. So we may not see it, but angels are working right now for our good. Heavenly hosts are doing battle right now. The Lord's ambassadors are performing service that benefits you and me right now. Church, again, bless the Lord and do not forget this benefit right here. Wow. Last one. As we come to the closing verse here of Psalm 103, we see the final benefit mentioned and it's the power of his works. The power of of his works. Look again at verse 22 here. What the text says is, Bless the Lord, all you works of his. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's how the psalmist ends this. Now, how would the works of the Lord bless him? How can his works bless him? They don't have voices, do they? Maybe, maybe not. Well, remember, when the psalmist talks about blessing in this psalm, he's speaking of praising and, and bringing honor and glory to God's name. And we know that everything God has created does just that, right? We know that everything God has created testifies of his greatness. All of his creation tells of his power, his creativity, his divinity, his perfection, his goodness, his ability, his wisdom, all of these things. And Psalm 19 verses 1 and 2, a powerful passage, says the heavens are telling of the glory of God. They don't have a voice, do they? Oh, but they do. They tell of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Again, uh, looking at Paul's letter to the Romans one more time, it reiterates this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. We just looked at this a few weeks back on our uh, double day, right? It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, what are they? His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So you guys, the way creation reproduces itself, trees, plants, flowers, animals, you and me, the way creation reproduces itself tells of his wisdom, right? I mean, this is a wise God to come up with this. The beauty of nature declares his immense creativity beyond uh, any of our minds, but certainly a nod toward, huh, 
That's where our minds that, that came up with and perform uh, music and, and art and, and writing and, and you know, poetry, different things like that. We got that from God, right? The vastness of just this one planet, the earth alone, shows his unfathomable power, does it not? The intricate details of a living organism shows, proves his intelligence level. Mm-hmm. How about this? Our insatiable desire to, to worship something bigger than ourselves, to follow after, to serve something bigger than ourselves. Our innate understanding that we are creation and, and there's a creator out there. Our realization that nothing in this world fully satisfies. This all points toward God and a home in heaven. This all points toward his eternal power and his divine nature. In Luke chapter 19, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem during what we call the triumphal entry, you'll remember the crowd was shouting. At the beginning of that week, they were shouting good things, right? They were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And in verse 39, some of the Pharisees, you know, got their robes in a bunch. And they said, it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They didn't like this worship that was going on. Verse 40 says, But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, what's going to cry out? This, yeah. If these, these disciples, these people who are crying out praises to him, if these become silent, Jesus said, the stones will cry out. <laughs> See, you can't silence the, the testimony of the Lord's works. The Lord's works testify something that you can't shut up, right? You, you can't go out here and mute creation. You, you can't do it. And so it is an unsilenceable, I don't think that's a word. I'm pretty confident it's not. You know what I mean. You can't shut this stuff up, right? You know, it, sometimes it's hard to shut me up, but you can do it. You can pull it off. You got strength in numbers today. Anybody got duct tape? I know some of you are already thinking it. Anyway, this is a quick sermon. Don't worry. Um, anyway, but you can't silence creation. You can't do it. Even if the mouths of mankind were silenced, the world would still know of God. Even if uh, words were, were not spoken, if no words of any human tongue could be spoken, the Lord's creation would still declare him. There is power in the works of the Lord. <clears throat> the Lord is blessed by all his works, all of his creation. But how is that a benefit to us? Well, think about it this way. When we have doubts, when we're uncertain, when we're struggling, when we're weak, when we're facing trying times in our lives, when we're trying to remember God, to keep him on the top of our mind or even floating around in there somewhere in the midst of a mess that, that we're in or we've created, it doesn't matter. When life is a little out of control or a lot out of control, when we need answers or when others need answers from us, or when we just need a reminder, we can slow down, we can take a deep breath, and we can look around, and we're surrounded by it. We can take a moment to recall and consider the Lord's works 
the works of his hands, what he's done. And we can see the glory of God. We can receive knowledge of God. We can see his invisible attributes and clearly see and understand his eternal power and his divine nature. We can look around and see it in all of his works. That's in the person beside you, behind you, in front of you, the trees across the highway here, the field over here, uh, your backyard, your front yard. I don't care. Flower garden, it's, it's all there for us at any given time. Again, you can't mute it. You can't silence it. You can't miss it. But you can stop, take a deep breath, look around and actually see it and actually acknowledge it. That's a real tangible benefit right there if we'll, if we'll treat it that way. This morning, I hope you understand these powerful benefits that are available to us through a Lord who rules. Through a Lord who rules. A Lord whose throne is established in heaven high above everything else, where he rules over all. A Lord who commands angels, heavenly hosts, who perform his word and who perform service on our behalf for our sake today. This is happening. And of course, a Lord whose own creation affirms and reaffirms his power, his glory, his majesty over and over and over and over again and again and again and again. This is our God, church. This is our Lord. So can we close this morning by all of us saying it together one more time, loud and with confidence in our voices. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Benefits.